Well, good morning, Bridge City Church. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. Well, it's better than I deserve. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> um, well, as Pastor Rick mentioned, my name is Mary. I'm a member here at Bridge City. And today I have the very special honor of um, talking to you about devotion. You know, I think that devotion is something that as Christians, we can't afford to miss this. You know, even as members of Bridge City Church, devotion is particularly important to us, and it's found in our mission statement. So if you're a member here, maybe you can actually say it along with me why we exist, right? So say it along. We exist so that as many people as possible begin a relationship with God and become fully devoted followers of Jesus, it's why we're here. And good job, guys. Thank you for sharing. But it's why we're here. It's why we gather week after week because we long not just to say we believe in God, but we long to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I want to start by asking you, uh, think of something that's precious to you. Just think of something. On the screen, it's going to show uh, what the word precious means in, in the Greek, and it means valuable, costly, esteemed, held in honor, beloved, especially dear. Now, something may have came to your mind even as you heard those words, because you know the things that are valuable to you. You know, uh, something that was really clear of this is what's on your calendar, right? If I look at your calendar and I see your time, I can see what matters to you. I can see if your family matters to you, if, you know, your job maybe matters to you, if you're putting in extra time, right? Um, another question we can ask is, like, are you going to, are you willing to go to great lengths so that you can just be with that thing that's valuable, right? If it's your family, maybe you, you know, take time off work each year to go on vacation, you spend a little extra money because it means having that thing that is so precious to you. So as we think of those things that are precious to us, I want to ask you this question, and that's, is Jesus precious to you? I heard this question a, a couple weeks ago for the first time, and like, just brought me to tears to think, is Jesus precious to you? It almost might sound a little strange or a little foreign, right? Maybe we never just thought of it this way. But we can ask ourselves those same questions, right? Is Jesus valuable to you? Would you go to great lengths to spend time with him? Would you put in a little extra time and block out days on your calendar if it meant spending time with the Lord? Would you spend a little extra money if it meant investing in something that was going to help you learn to know Jesus? Is Jesus esteemed to you? Is he beloved to you? I think this is a question we all have to continually ask ourselves. You know, I believe there are people in this room who, who can answer yes. <laughs> like they hear that question, they're like, yes, yes, Jesus is precious to me. I love him. I long for him. But the reality is there are also many of us who maybe don't know how we would answer that question. You know, maybe he isn't and it's because you haven't met him yet. <laughs> You know, it's your first time in church, you've never met Jesus, you never talked to Jesus, so he just can't be precious to you yet. But I believe there are also people in this room who want to answer yes to this question. You want to say, yes, Jesus is precious to me, and maybe even you remember a time when he was. 
You remember that time when you fell madly in love with Jesus. You remember your first time coming to church and when you got real hungry and real on fire for the word and you were so excited to sit with him day after day. But then something changed. Right? Maybe a prayer wasn't answered the way you had hoped for. Maybe it wasn't answered the way you expected. Um, maybe something happened in your family. Maybe life just got busy, and it's not that you don't want him to be precious to you, but since your time is so filled with all these other things, your time isn't filled with Jesus, and if your time isn't filled with Jesus, then he can't be precious to you. Let me go down. You know, we're going to jump into the, the scripture, but first I just want to pray before we dig in. So God, I thank you so much for, for everything that you're doing in this church, God. Lord, I thank you that you love your people so much. God, I thank you that you care about our hearts. And, you know, as we ask, are you, you precious to us? The first answer is that we were already precious to you, Lord. You already loved us and cared for us first. And that's why we're here. And that's why we gather today. So God, I pray that our hearts would be open towards you as we hear the word. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first scripture I want to jump into is found in Isaiah 29, and it's verse 13. Um, this scripture really challenged me. You know, I think that as we're talking about if Jesus is precious to us, this verse outlines, you know, how people have learned to show their devotion Versus, you know, devotion in the Lord's eyes. It says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. I didn't know what the word rote meant, so if you don't, that's okay. It means repetition. Uh, and the amplified, it means, it says, and their reverence for me is a tradition that's learned by repetition without any regard for its meaning. So this challenged me because, you know, this verse isn't talking about people who knew they didn't like the Lord, right? This verse isn't talking about people who were cursing the Lord and, oh, I don't care and I don't want to go to church and, I, you know, I don't want to spend time with him. I just don't believe. No, these people say they are mine. They say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, of course. They honor me with their lips, right? We maybe say good things and we praise him. But then our worship, you know, the worship of these, these people in this verse is just repetition that they've learned, right? Their, their hearts are so far from God. You know, we have to ask ourselves, is it possible that as I worship God and I come to church week after week and I lift my hands, is it just a repetition that I've learned to do or is it because I know the Father, See, for a while, I was this person. For probably a year and a half or two years, <laughs> when I first started coming to church, I could say that I was this person. You know, I love the Lord. I, I, you know, I was coming to church. I was saying good things. I was honoring him. But I wasn't spending any time at home reading my Bible. And, you know, when we talk about worship and it coming from knowing the Lord, we must first be, you know, at home or somewhere else. We're reading our Bible and we're allowing his word to get in our hearts so that when we come to church and we lift our hands and we sing to the Lord, it's just an overflow of the relationship that we already have with him outside of church. It's that relationship that we know him and we spent time reading his word so we know his heart. And when I come to church, I can't help but sing because I love him and I worship the God who I have a relationship with. I'm not, I've been there, I've been there, for, I was there for a long, long 
long time of just, you know, coming and I, and I think I'm worshiping and I'm raising my hands, but, but their hearts were far from him. I don't think that any of us want that to be said of us, right? Maybe we didn't even know that that was possible. My husband, Jared, had a vision um, about a week and a half ago. He was sitting with the Lord, and he's just spending time with him, reading the Bible, and he has this vision of Jesus walking around heaven. And Jesus is up there, and he's walking around, and he's like observing, and he's looking for something. And Jared said that, you know, immediately it came into his heart that God was looking for people. He was looking for a people who are willing to be devoted to him, right? He's up searching in heaven and he's looking for something, but what he's looking for is a people who love him, a people who are sold out for him, right? Pastor Rick shared it last week. You know, God is looking for a people, not a person, (laughs) you know? Like, we all have our own relationship, but God is searching for a people who he can pour his spirit out into, who he can reveal his heart to. You know, I I think lots of times we, we cry out and we're like, more, Lord, you know, we just want more of you. But I don't believe that God is limiting himself. I don't believe that God is up there in heaven withholding his spirit from us. But the thing is, in the word, when, when God came through, you know, to reveal himself, lots of time he came through his people, right? In the Old Testament, we see the prophets who he spoke through, and in the New Testament, the disciples who, but what was different, right? It's not that they were special, but they were people who were willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. They were people who were willing to be sold out for Jesus, to have that uncommon devotion to him so that they sit with him and he can fill, himself, fill them with himself so that his spirit can go forth in this world. You know, he's looking for this people, and I think it comes personally at home, but there's also this like corporate, like as a people and I pray that, that as Bridge City Church, we can be a people that when Jesus is up in heaven and he's looking for someone who's willing to be uncommonly devoted to him, that he can look and see us and see that that is true of our church. I want to jump into scripture in Psalm 73. You know, it shares what biblical devotion looks like. We're, we're going to start by basically saying, well, what does biblical devotion look like? Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like, that's the song we sang this morning. You know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Right? Whom have I in heaven but you? There's no one I desire on earth but you, Jesus. You're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, biblical devotion looks like allowing Jesus to be our everything. There was a time in my life when this verse became true for me. See, when I um, first, you know, got saved and became a Christian, I was in a relationship at the time and there came to this point where, you know, I wanted to grow in the faith and I was kind of growing, but I was still, you know, enslaved to the sin of this world, right? And so I'm trying to devote myself to Jesus, but I'm still being devoted to the world and my past life. And then it became increasingly clear when I was in that relationship and 
um, the person had said to me, you talk about Jesus too much, you know, <laughs> no one wants to hear that. And um, that became a point, right? That's this point where I think lots of us find ourselves out of, is it Jesus or is it the world? See, is Jesus the most important thing in your life that you would be willing to give up anything if it meant having him? So I came to this place in my life where, you know, it's like whatever this relationship was, if it's not you, Lord, I don't want it. If it's not you, Jesus, I don't want it. There is nothing on earth that I desire more than you, Jesus. You know, and the thing is, I think that's okay that there's like this, this difference in time. You know, sometimes we, we come to church and we get saved and we have that like first love and it's all good. And, but sometimes there's a difference of, when we first fell in love with Jesus and when we become fully devoted to Jesus. You know, for some people, it can happen at the same time, I guess. You know, it can just, like, happen. You're saved and, like, onward and upward and you're there. But that's not always the case. You know, sometimes you get saved and you come to church and you're really enjoying the worship and you're like, wow, you know, this God thing, like, this is really good. But, like, here's my old life and I'm not really ready you know, I still like this, this thing that I'm in. I'm not ready to put that down. But there becomes this point in our lives where we go from being just believers to being fully devoted followers of Jesus. You know, that encourages me because <laughs> it means that we never stop growing and we still can come to this place where we're like, I want to be sold out for you, Jesus. You know, and if you don't feel this way, that's, you know, it's okay. We can get there, right? It's this, a practical thing that has helped me when, when I don't feel that way, maybe, is to just sit down and reflect on all the things that Jesus has done. When you remember what Jesus has saved you from and what he has saved you for, when you sit down and you think of heaven and you think of his spirit that he's given to you and you think of how much he loves you, it is so easy to utter these words and say that there is nothing we desire more than Jesus. The next verse in, is, comes in Psalm 27, and it's verse 4. I start most of my mornings, most, in this verse. You know, it, it reads, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple to break that down if it's like well what do you mean behold the beauty of the lord like that's kind of this christianese kind of saying maybe like oh we're just going to behold the beauty of the lord and well, what that means is the word behold biblically means to look at intensely with gratification and the beauty of the lord actually means his delightfulness and his pleasantness so all that it means to behold the beauty of the Lord is to sit there and say, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have done, right? You're, you're thinking and thanking him for his delightfulness, for the good things, right? The Bible says every good and perfect thing is from above. So every good and perfect thing that you have in his life, you can thank, Je you can thank Jesus for. That's who brings that good and perfect thing to you. So we can sit as believers and behold the beauty of the Lord. You know, um, I think it's easy to say, oh, well, that's great, Mary. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that David felt this way and, you know, he could say these things. But, like, there's stuff in my life that it doesn't feel so easy 
to behold the beauty of the Lord right now. And I want to encourage you with the verse that actually comes before verse 4 and verse 3. Um, David gives us a little insight in what's happening in his life. And he says, though an army encamp against me, though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. And so right before he says that the one thing he wants in life is to behold the beauty of the Lord, he says that there are people literally coming after his life to kill him. So the point is that the Lord wants us to have this uncommon devotion to him. That even when life gets tough, even when things are happening around us, you know, David, David already knew how, how good the Lord was. He had already tasted and seen how good the Lord was. So even when war was arising against him, he knew that the best thing for him was to sit and thank God for all he had done. And I want to encourage you, something as I was practicing that I was reminded of was, was like the hard days in our life. And it's like, well, okay, Mary, well, that's, you know, great. But, but like what happens when I get home from work and the house is a mess and, you know, I still haven't cooked dinner. Like, have, have we been there before? Is that just me? <laughs> right? You woke up, you spent your time with the Lord, but now it's 6 o'clock and you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> right? But, but so what happens is when you... When you're feeling that way and you're like, okay, the house is a mess and, you know, the, the dishes aren't done and food isn't ready. And I just said something mean to my kid that I didn't want to say. And then I yelled at my husband and, you know, I, I finally just get to myself and I close the door and you like fall on the ground and you're like, okay, Lord, you know, you want me to behold your beauty. But can I encourage you that when you just say the name of Jesus in that moment, you are beholding the beauty of the Lord. When you just sit there and say, Jesus, 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 you are looking intensely with gratification at the pleasantness of God in your life when you are sitting there and that is all you can say that's okay. I don't think he wants to leave you there, right? God can fill you with joy and he can fill you with peace. But can I say that in those times of trial, you can still be fully devoted to him. Jesus is still there wanting to hold you in his arms. He's still there just sitting there waiting to spend time with you, waiting to be the God of all comfort that his word says that he is. Another scripture, <laughs> we'll just keep going through. Another scripture that um, I see in the Bible of biblical devotion um, What's the next one? In Psalms uh, 84. There we go. Um, Psalms 84, verse 10. I didn't plan these to all be Psalms. I don't know why that happened, but <laughs> I guess, you know, the psalmists were devoted. Um, it says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, I just emphasize, emphasize for a day, for a day in your courts, just one day in your courts. You know, we know how precious time is to us. We know, you know, that better than a thousand outside. If you look at a thousand days, what, that, what you're looking at is basically a little under three years. So if I asked us, you know, okay, I can give you three years you can do all the things you want, go on all the trips, like do whatever you want, but Jesus won't be there. 
Now, this isn't going to happen, right? Right? Jesus is here, but, but let's, let's pretend. Like, if you could have three years to do whatever you wanted, to go where you wanted, see who you wanted, but Jesus wasn't there. Or I can offer you one day. One day, just one day. But he's there, and you can talk to him, and you can communicate with him. And his presence is there, and he's just sitting with you, and he's spending time with you, and you have his word, and you can hold on to the word of the living God. Are we as a people, like the Big C Church, are we as a people choosing that one day? I don't know. I don't know that I'm there. You know, three years, but one day. You know, at Growth Track, uh, if you were there last week, Pastor Gary mentioned... uh, he said something that really was cool to me. He said, it's just not common that we have this like uncommon devotion. It's not heard of in our culture to have a people who just sit at the feet of Jesus, right? And he's like, okay, well, what if I offered to you like, hey, you know, come spend four hours with me. We're just going to seek after the Lord together, you know, in his presence, read the word, pray and worship for four hours. Or he said like, hey, come, we're going to build this thing and like do this, you know, a task event. Like most of the time, people would be like, oh, I want to go build that thing. Like I want to be useful. I want to get into action. I want to, you know, feel productive, right? It's not, it's not just us, but us as a culture, collectively, we, we've lost this like passion and reverence, I think, as a big C church to just sit at the feet of the Lord, Right, that a day just sitting with Jesus would be enough. That a day just sitting with Jesus would be more than enough. It would be all that we want in our lives. Can we get back to that place? Can I get back to that place? Next, you know, as we're looking, so this is what biblical devotion looks like, right? And one thing I want to mention is I talked about my testimony and like transitioning from, you know, okay, I was believing and I'm going to church and I believe in Jesus, I believe in God to being fully devoted. When I had that moment that I decided that it was Jesus or nothing else, something changed in my life. For the next you know, few months, I would spend hours, and this isn't necessarily what it looks like now, but there was a time that I would spend hours in the Word. Like I would get a bus and go to downtown Pittsburgh at like 7.30 because class started at 11.30, and four hours later, my first class started, and Sometimes I would like skip class because the word was just too good. <laughs> and I'm not encouraging you to, to do that. But there is something when you catch the goodness of God. There is something when you get lost in the word of God that you want to hold on to it. You want to hang on to it. I want to hang on to it. So this is what you know, biblical devotion looks like is desiring the Lord first. It's desiring Jesus more than anything else. You know, and it's not on the slides, but in Philippians, Paul actually says that uh, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. (laughs) Is that what biblical devotion looks like in your daily life, right? That's a challenge to me, like counting everything else as garbage, and it's it's not saying that, that there isn't other things in our life that are good and are pleasing. But when those things come in the way of our time with the Lord, count it all as garbage. 
That's what his word says. It's not that we can't enjoy those things, right? Every good and perfect thing is from above. He's given you things to enjoy in your life. But when your calendar, when my calendar fills up with all these things and I haven't sat at the feet of the Lord, it says to forsake all else. So what does this, um, or no, sorry. (laughs) Why, but why is this so important, right? Why is biblical devotion so important? I was going to, like, get a verse and teach on it and all those things, but I don't think I have to go much further than to turn on the news to tell you why biblical devotion is so important. The things that we prayed for this morning, I don't think I have to go further than 20 minutes ago to tell you why biblical devotion is so important. See, we can argue the cause of all these issues and all those things that were blue in the face, but the thing is that every issue in our world comes from a people who don't know Jesus. When a people don't know Jesus, the world can't, ha- it can't help but look like the world, <laughs> right? The world can't know Jesus because he's put us on this earth so that we can know his word, so we can go into the world and share his word so a world can meet Jesus. There are some crazy things happening right now. You know, it's very likely that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned next month. This, wait, is it June yet? No, next month. Okay. As Christians, that should, that's a good thing, okay? It's a good thing. But the thing is that now there are women who are finding themselves pregnant and they don't know where to go and they don't know who to look to and they feel like something has been taken from them. And if we don't know Jesus, who is going to be the person to speak into their life? What weight are we going to have to share Jesus with our world? If we look at the the shooting in, in Texas, I mean, you have parents who are just weeping daily for their kids and they're scared to send them to school. There are children, you know, just, I know personally, who are having nightmares of someone coming into their school and stealing their safety. Can I ask you why biblical devotion is so important? If we as a people don't know Jesus, then we can't show Jesus. If we don't know the love of God, then how can we share his love with the world around us? You know, I said, like, God desires to use his people, it's not, he, of course, he can just bring down his presence and do what he wants. He's omnipresent. He's God. <laughs> but so often in the Bible, he used his people to move. He used someone was, who was willing to sit at his feet, someone who was willing to forsake all else so that they could commune with him and share his spirit in the world. How can we shine his light in the world as he's called us to do? if we don't go to him ourselves. But the good news is that we can. The good news is that he's given us his word to go to. So let's look at what does biblical devotion look like in our daily lives? One section of scripture I want to go to here, and this is in Luke 10, verses 41 through 42. Uh, Some of you may know it, but if you don't, that's okay. The context of this verse is that there's two sisters, And, you know, one of them is, like, running around, doing the preparations, cleaning the house, maybe cooking the food. And she's doing all these things that appear to need done. And then the other sister, Mary, is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
And so Martha, the sister who was cleaning, understandably so from our world's point of view, is like, Jesus, like, basically she says, like, what is Martha, or what is Mary doing? Can't you, you know, tell her to, like, get up here and help me? Like, there's work to be done. But how does the Lord respond? It says, but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, I love that he says it's the good part, <laughs> right? Jesus is the good part. He is the only thing that brings goodness into our lives. So when we look at this verse and we're like, well, what does that look like for me? I, it looks like this. It looks like being a people who are willing even daily just to sit at the feet of Jesus. Just daily. Sit at the feet. Open your word and read. You know, that's the only way that we're going to become a devoted people is to learn to know the heart of God by finding it in between the pages of his word. You know, I encourage you that this can look very different, you know, in our lives. And I think that's okay. There's no perfect way to have your time with the Lord. But I think what's important is that you have your time with the Lord. To be fully devoted, to be people who have biblical devotion to Jesus. We must spend every day with the Lord. No compromise. You know, when I look at my calendar, I think like, Okay, there's all these things, but if it makes it on the calendar, then typically I make it there, <laughs> right? If I put gym on my calendar or meeting on my calendar or going to my parents' house on my calendar, then I'm going to make sure I get there when that time arrives on my calendar, right? I might even pack my bags. I might, you know, pack my gym bag or like make my lunch the night before so that when I get up and go to work, I can just, you know, go straight there because I'm, I'm prepared for it. It's on my calendar, and I'm ready for it. So can I suggest that we should start setting time for Jesus on our calendar? Not just, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. At the end of the day, I'll, I'll try to read a verse and, you know, have that time, which I'm glad that that's there, right? That's good to seek him when, when that's the time. But we need to be a people who are making time for Jesus on our calendar, right? That every day there is a time designated to the Lord. And it can be different. It's flexible. You can move it around for what works in your life, right? If you have a little one, then maybe as soon as they go to sleep, like maybe go read because maybe that's your time with the Lord because you don't know when they might be waking back up. And if they wake back up, you know, you know what you have to do and that's understandable, but we can't compromise that, right? So Maybe it's waking up early before everyone else is awake. Or if you know your mind is the most fresh and crisp right after work, then, you know, you get home at 5 and from 5 to 5.30 or from 5 to 6 o'clock, that is me and Jesus time. It's on the calendar. It's set. And I'm going to prepare just like I would for anything else. I'm going to have my Bible ready. You know, everything else is done. And I can sit there and I can be with him. You know, for Jared and I, this looks like waking up and just, we have like a, you know, the little like routine. I'm going to make the coffee. That's always essential. <laughs> Start with the coffee. He, you know, he'll go make it. That's a word. Thanks, Pastor Rick. <laughs> and so once that's made, then we go and we separate and we open our Bibles every morning. E every morning. 
Now, sometimes we don't get as much time as we liked. Maybe we slept in and that hour we wanted turned into 20 minutes. Like that has happened and it does happen. But the thing is that that is my time with the Lord and I'm not compromising it, right? So most days, like I set that alarm and I wake up and it's me and Jesus time. Some mornings you might worship and sing songs for 45 minutes and then you got like 15 minutes to be with, you know, to read the word. And some mornings it's like just one song and, you know, I'm praying through it and, and then I have that word open. But whatever it looks like, the point is that we as a people can't compromise that time. It has to be daily. To be biblically devoted to the Lord, it requires this daily sitting at the Lord's feet. You know, something that encouraged me too is you're like, well, maybe, maybe I've tried this. Maybe I've done this, right? Maybe I've gone and I've sat with the Lord and I didn't really get anything out of it. I didn't feel what you feel. Like, I understand that. But something that encouraged me was like thinking of my own relationship with my husband. Jared and I sit down most days to have dinner together and not every day do we have this deep, intimate, elaborate conversation. In fact, most of the time, we don't. <laughs> you know, most of the time it's, hey, how you doing? How was your day? Okay, well, what, what bill needs paid? And, you know, what, what's on this calendar next? And, okay, what do we have to buy? And, like, there's these technical conversations. But, see, if I stopped having those daily just talking to my husband conversations, then we're never I mean, if I didn't talk to him for a whole week and then on Sunday for one hour, I tried to have an intimate conversation with him, like, no, <laughs> I don't know him. I wouldn't know his heart. I wouldn't know his heart. But when I sit there with him every day and have those, how you doing? What's, you know, what do we have to do today conversations? Then it's laid that foundation and it allows for us to have those beautiful, you know, intimate deep conversations as husband and wife. So when I sit with the Lord and I open the Bible and I'm like, okay, well, I read a chapter, I read two, and okay, God, like, I'm, I'm happy, but I just don't feel connected. That's okay. That's okay when you have those daily times where you're sitting with the Lord and you're just asking, you know, you're reading his word, you're talking to him. I suggest praying and then just listening or maybe having an open notebook so that you can actually ask him how he's feeling and <laughs> the God who has sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you will talk to you, right? Like, so sit with an open notebook and I dare you, like for two minutes, three minutes, and say, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you thinking about today? What do you have to say to me? And maybe a verse is illuminated or you think of a person and we write that off as natural, but the reason you may have thought of that person is because he wants you to pray for them. He wants you to go and talk to them. They maybe need a touch from heaven in their lives. So don't write it off as, oh, my brain's all chaotic. I can't stop thinking about Jesse or whoever it is. Like maybe we need to pray for them. Maybe that's why God put them on our heart. Right? It's not, not, it's not just, oh, well, um, I can't focus, so I must not be. No, like, the Lord might be speaking to you. So allow for him to speak. Allow for him to speak. You know, I ask, if this is hard, I just want to encourage you that if you say, well, where do I begin? I'm going to look back at this verse and say, at the feet of Jesus. You know, start there. Open your word, 
Start in the gospel. Read. I mean, there's no perfect way to read the word, but you have to start by sitting at his feet and remaining at his feet. Right? Mary was commended for it because she sat there. She had chosen the one thing that was necessary. You know, something I, I just want to say is that it's easy to devote yourself to someone who has already devoted their life for you. Pastor Gary said it last week, and I never heard someone say it and just kind of cracked me up. He was like, when was the last time someone died for you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Pastor Gary, I mean, you're right. But really, when was the last time that someone laid down their life for you, died the worst death, forsaking all else, feeling forsaken by the Father so that you could know him? When was the last time Jesus laid down his life for us? You know, the, the, the word says that the father who didn't even spare his own son, would he not also freely give us all things? There is a goodness in God that needs to be tapped into. There is a goodness in God that we get to have when we have a relationship with him. It's not, you know, I heard this recently and it's like sometimes as Christians, we think that beholding the Lord means like clenching our hands and clenching our teeth. And it's like, I'm just trying to be holy. I'm just trying to follow the word. But the essential Christian message isn't behave, but behold. It's behold the Lord. It's not just try to be as Christ-like as you can. It's behold the Lord. It's look at what he's done for you. Did anyone else die for you? No. <laughs> so we can look at him. We can say, Jesus, thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you love me enough to die just for me. Thank you that you still desire me. And that's why your Holy Spirit lives inside of me so that you can talk to me every single day and have relationship with me. When I started this question or this message, I, I asked a question. And that question is, is Jesus precious to you? It's a question we all have to answer and probably every day of our lives, we have to answer that question. Now, I believe there are people in this room who the answer was no, not because they didn't want Jesus to be precious, but because they've never met him. So I just wanna offer that to you. If you are in this room and you don't know Jesus, You've never met Jesus. You've never started that relationship with him. I want to offer you that opportunity to meet him today. A good way to tell if you know him or not is if all of this sounded foreign. <laughs> like if sitting at the feet of the Lord was like, what? And like reading your Bible, what? Like maybe it's time to say hi, Jesus. Like nice to meet you. If you're in this room and you've never met Jesus and you wanna meet Jesus today, Will you be so bold as to just raise your hand? If there's anyone in this room and you never said, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the leader of my future. If you have never told him that and you want to today, just raise your hand. Okay. I want you to know no one's, you know, <laughs> we're just, we'd be excited to welcome you into the kingdom of God if there's a person in this room and, you know, there's still an opportunity for you to respond to him to just say, Jesus, that's me. I've never met you, but hi, how you doing? <laughs> I believe in you and I wanna give my life to you. 
But for the rest of us, if you could all just stand to your feet. You know, there are people in this room who, from the moment I asked the question, are resounding, yes, Jesus is precious to me. And I'm glad that you're there. <laughs> but there are also people, maybe my, myself included, who wonder, is Jesus precious to me? Right, I remember a time, Lord, when I met you, when I fell in love with you. I remember that time, but, but something's changed. Because as I sit or I stand here today, like maybe I just don't feel turned towards you. Maybe my heart doesn't feel like you're precious to me. Maybe you just haven't talked to him in a long while. And it's time to talk to him today. So I wanna ask you, we're gonna do something as a people. Right, remember Jared's vision. He is up in heaven looking for a people who are willing to be uncommonly devoted to Jesus. He is looking for a people who are willing to say more, Lord. I want to know your spirit. Fill me up, oh Lord, so that you can move through me. So if you haven't said he's precious to you in a long time, or maybe you said it this morning, but you wanna tell him right now again that he is precious to you, I want you to flood, just flood the front. We're gonna go into worship. If you just wanna say, I love you, Jesus, you can come up front. We're gonna flood, flood the front of this, like fill this space today. Don't be afraid to get out of your seat and say, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, you are precious to me. <laughs> Maybe you just told him this morning, but it's like, I love you and I just wanna tell you. I just wanna tell you, Lord. Before we go into worship, I wanna just pray a prayer over you guys over us, over me, myself included. Father God, I pray for every single person who's in this room. God, our hearts turn towards you. God, as we sang Heart of Worship, we just reminded ourselves that you are the God that we worship, that it's all about you. God, right now, I just pray that our hearts would burn for you. If it's for the first time or they just need relit, God, I pray that they burn for you. God, I pray that we would become a people who are uncommonly devoted to you, that when we wake up each morning, the first thought on our minds, God, help us, Lord. The first thought on our minds would be, good morning, Jesus, I love you. God, I know that we can be there as a people, and I know that you give good gifts to your children when we ask. So, Father God, I ask right now as we lift our hands to you, as we head into worship of you and we sing about how awesome you are, I pray that you would fill our hearts with such a fire for you that even as we leave here, we think, I can't wait to go home and be with Jesus. I can't wait to go home and read my Bible and love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Church, let's just sing to him together. What an awesome.